All right, I'm going to introduce uh, Nathan Rhodes, as a good friend of mine who um, I kind of been sensing, and actually, interestingly enough, he had been sensing as well that uh, at some point in time maybe we should collaborate on on some part of what I was doing with this podcast, be it um, him doing his own stuff with a, with a blog or uh, we um, going back and forth on some of these things. So anyways, uh, Nathan, welcome. Thanks for doing this for me. Um, Thank you. It's always a, a pleasure to get to hear your opinion on various things. Um, I guess if you want to uh, give me a general background about, um, uh, you had mentioned some uh, your family and, and the history with your family and what they're doing, and, and also um, you've done some work with various congregations and some of your experiences, and maybe we'll get into that as well. So go ahead. Yeah, that, that, sounds, uh, that sounds great. Um, you know, I was uh, I was raised in a Christian family. Uh, very blessed to to be able to experience that. I had two Christian parents, and so I've got um, a good solid uh, background as far as uh, as far as the church and and being raised that way from the beginning. So, um, but I've I've got two sisters that uh, are missionaries or have been missionaries. Um, my dad at one time was an elder uh, in in the local church that we were at, um, and so I, I've kind of got a, a chance to see. Um, see things maybe from a little bit different perspective. I went to a, a private Baptist school um, all the way through sixth grade, and then was homeschooled for a few years, and then went to a uh, private Christian school for a couple years, too. So kind of my whole life, or the whole background around that anyway, is, has been involved in some form or another with uh, with the church or various aspects of the church. And then, um, you know, going on past that, worked at a church for a little while, um, and have been involved in, in various... Uh, various levels as far as, you know, from small groups to youth groups to um, leadership positions, just kind of being able to see how different churches function and, and how they process things and, and kind of what they go through with uh, with the whole day-to-day things of how the church uh, how the church works and moves. So. Right. Well, that's, that, yeah, that's great. I, I had no idea you were homeschooled for a while. This is something new to me. Uh, yeah, for two years. It was, uh, wow. it was awesome. <laughs> I watch MacGyver almost every day. So. Hey, well, you know, and, and there's a lot to learn from MacGyver. Let's just be honest about that. There is a lot. <laughs> well, I had, I know we had talked about um, in the past um, with some particular congregations that you had worked with. Um, some of them you and I have been involved with together, but I know some of the stuff that um, you had talked about, these are experiences that I was um, not part of. But uh, I, f- I found some stuff interesting that you've been talking about. You had uh, made some very interesting comments about um, leadership um, and how they relate to the congregation one in particular one that you had uh, talked about was um, a congregation that you were working with that were, was really trying to target certain markets. Like um, they uh, were popular with uh, younger crowds um, and they felt they needed to focus on larger crowds. But kind of what you were getting at was that they were doing it for the purpose of just making sure that they had a solid base and kind of an income flow versus a sense of, you know, Yahweh leading them to targeting a certain group. Is that kind of what was happening at the time, and, and what was your take on that? Yeah, it's, it's just kind of an interesting dynamic, seeing how that works out. Um, you know, with the, the recession the last couple of years, I think that's been at the forefront with, uh, with a lot of churches. You know, how do we, how do we sustain what we have been doing um, through the current time and, and into the future? And, and there's you know, nothing uh, probably wrong with that on some levels, mm-hmm. um, especially biblically going through, trying to plan out and making sure that you're thinking things through and doing that. Right. Um, but it, it also, I think, can uh, can be dangerous in some senses, um, but if you're not careful with how you go about that and how you approach that and kind of the process you go through, um, I think you can unknowingly get to a point of where you get so focused on sustainability and, and growth in a a negative way, or maybe even in a, a way that wasn't intended, right. um, as far as what the church is, that you start focusing on things um, other than way, other than maybe where your calling is, or where you've been, uh, where you've been gifted to minister, even. Right. Um, and, and that that was one of the things, uh, yeah, with that experience, it was was interesting to me to kind of see that dynamic play out. You know, what are those things that we can do this and still be within our calling and, and what we believe we've been called to do, and other things where maybe that focus started to shift a little bit. Um, so where it became a question of how how do we do this instead of should we do this, you know, and, right. and kind of that thing that it, almost an assumption of, well, we need to be able to do 
A, so that makes it okay to do B. And and I'm not sure that God always works that way. Right. Um, he's doing things with the church, and so I think that's the the hard part of it is it. it to me, it turns into a case by case decision making process. Um, about having to do that and not something you can just kind of say, well, this looks like it should fit into this group, so we can always give it this response, and, and this fits into this group, so we'll always give it this response and stuff like that. And, and the problem with that is it takes time. Um, right. You know, when you're having to stop and ask God particular and specific things about um, most of the things you're doing, it, it can get a little bit frustrating and a little bit tedious right. uh, trying to figure that all out. And, and I don't think it's anybody's intention to necessarily... Um, do anything or, or to kind of drift away. But at the same time, if it does start to happen or, or that starts to kind of become a pattern, I think you start setting a dangerous uh, dangerous precedent yeah. for how you, how you function and what you do. Uh, and, and I think that's the way that, that, you know, a lot of churches end up gradually, slowly drifting away. I don't think a lot of churches do those big steps one or two at a time, but I think it's just that kind of gradual progression towards we have to be here, we have to have a building, we have to have X amount of staffers, we have to have all these things, and you start to kind of get get your focus on things other than maybe what your original focus and, and calling was. Right. Well, and, and I think you and I, you know, usually throughout the years have, have come to the same conclusion, is that it, it, if you're not building the relationship, that's the whole point of this process. I mean, the fact that you have a ministry, the fact that you have a church— in the long run, I, I mean, that could come and go. I mean, it doesn't really matter that you have a specific ministry. If God's called you to do something, you can do it. But um, Paul, and, and um, you know, I think we might as well just get to this verse. One of the verses you had brought up, I know, was uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, and it was 12 through 30. Even as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of the one body, being many, make up one body, so also is Christ. So, in other words, you know, there's many different parts, and, and I'm sure many people know that verse, and I'll just repeat it again. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 30. The, the concept of body, to me, again, from my experience just being involved in what I've been involved in personally and talking to other people and, and going through that, it seems like there's kind of this... this um, one side versus the other as far as whether the people in a church are sheep or whether they're a body. And, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure that those two things can uh, can kind of mix or blend when it comes to that. And so, um, you know, I was, I was thinking the other day, the first time I actually met you was, <laughs> was uh, I'm not even sure if you remember it, was uh, at the gym at Highland Park when you had injured your knee. Yeah, no, I remember the event. I don't remember meeting you, but I remember the event quite well. And, and that was the first time, and it was odd to me because a, a couple of years ago I injured uh, my left knee, and I don't remember which knee you had injured, but not that that's a... It was. It was actually the left knee, ironically, yeah. But, but it was funny going through that. I'd never had an injury like that before, mm-hmm. um, anything serious like that. I'd had some sprains, you know, some bumps and bruises, but nothing like that. And so going through that process of having an injury that that kind of affected how you were able to function and and just live your life even day to day... Um, and just that process, you know, learning about that, going through physical therapy and, and uh, that whole thing about how the one ligament that I had torn didn't affect just that one ligament. It, it impacted my whole leg to the point of where, you know, the, my, my muscles were atrophying and they weren't working the way they were supposed to and, and all these things that were related to it that had an effect on my whole body. And, and a couple months after that had happened and, you know, I started getting a little bit better and able to move more, it really started to be with me about what Paul was talking about, about the body and how that works and how just one thing like that, being out of whack or being out of shape or, or being injured really does have an effect on the whole body. And I think we have a hard time as a church sometimes truly understanding what that is and valuing every part that's there, you know, all the, all the things that do go on and the things that do happen and, and just the gifting of the people. Um, and, and that's, that's one of the things from my experience looking at that I started to have a, a hard time with was how we valued people in the church. And, you know, did it turn into a situation of where the only value we gave people or that we were telling people was what they could provide for the church as mm-hmm. far as, now, whether it was teaching Sunday school or whether it was handing out bulletins or making coffee or cleaning up after messes or whatever. And, and it, it just really started to weigh on me that what are we 
what are we telling people about what their birthright and what their blessing in Christ is? And if this is all that, that we're telling people that it is, is these things here, the service they can provide, are, are we really that shocked and surprised that more people don't want to be involved in a church or be mm-hmm. involved in, in the body when basically, and, and I don't think it's anybody's intention, and I don't well, think that it's... But I think you and I, even, you and I even talked about this, that it, it just becomes a, a, an issue... Um, and not to say this is universal and this is truly the heart of it, but in my mind, in my spirit, I tend to look at it and I go, what they're asking for is just free labor. It's not necessarily a promoting of the giftings because in reality, if we look at just even what I shall, but Paul, Apostle Paul talks about when it comes to the, the giftings, none of them include serving coffee. You know, I mean that yeah. you might in, in, invent, you might uh, imply that to be in, uh, evangelism, which is part of what he has to do. But, you know, the actual event of doing that is not the case. And and I really think that the church, from what I was getting from what uh, Shaul Paul was writing about, was not that the the church the church as a group of people was supposed to et, was supposed to be winning the lost per se that was our individual purposes um, like evangelism and he said all these different gifts that you might have but that the church was more to edify the body was to you know make sure that the body worked out and then you know each of our individual purposes is how we interacted with the people you know I mean and I think maybe that's kind of kind of what Ephesians was getting getting into was that each of our body parts that, you know, makes up our body is important, but some of them will not interact with the people. You know, it, it's that, you know, all parts of my body are to kind of make sure that my, my body is functioning correctly and that my hands and my mouth and my eyes um, and my feet, those are the, what, that is what is inevitably interacting with the people. So that would be my evangelistic part of, you know, the body. But um, the church itself is supposed to edify itself and supposed to build each other up. And so the the concept of the passing out the bulletins and the serving coffee and stuff like that, I mean, the church, I think, has become a business in the regards that it's trying to win customers versus trying to edify itself and then say, okay, you now can go out and do your part. And yeah, and I think that's part of the problem, too. And again, I don't think that pastors set out for that. I don't think oh, no. church yeah. planning committees or leadership set out say, this is our goal, this is what we're going to do. I hope not. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I would hope not, too. Yeah. Um, that this is what we're going to do. But at the same time, you know, to me, as we mature and grow in our relationship with Christ, I think you have to ask those questions as whether it's intentional or not. Right. If this is the outcome and this is what we're doing, do we have a responsibility to change that? Right. And is this really what um, is this really what was intended? And is is this really what the intention of Christ was for these people? And I think when you start to look at people in a congregation as more of people in a body versus again somewhat sheep to mm-hmm. be managed or to be corralled or to right. be um, lorded over that you start to get a different view of how those relationships work and what that is. And, and when you're able to look at that person and realize that, and, and I know it's talked about a lot and it's said a lot, but to actually give people the freedom that Christ purchased for them on the cross mm-hmm. and allow them to grow and to mature and to use their own giftings and, and be able to develop their own relationship within the body the way it should be, I don't know, from my experience anyway, that that happens in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting to me just just that dynamic, again, of is this really what the intention was for the body? And if it's not, why why are we always so scared to move away from that? To, uh, to it's say, control. Wait a minute, is yeah, really? in my opinion, it's just control. I mean, and it is. And whether that's, again, whether that's a purposeful thing or not, um, I really don't believe most of the time it is. But, again, if that's the same thing that's happening, if it comes into... We need to manage the most amount of people with the least amount of effort for the the cheapest amount of money. Then, to me, you drifted away from what your calling as a church was, right. and you have turned it into something else as far as a business or, or something to that effect. And and the sad thing about that is most most of them that do turn into businesses, very few of them are actually run as good businesses, even on that basis. Right. Um, yeah. With with how they interact and how they uh, how they relate to the people inside the uh, the church or the company. So. Right. Well, and I think sometimes it's it's easy to mistake the grace and the mercy of God for 
maybe his approval at some points too. Mm -hmm. So where because he is kind and loving and merciful and equal anger and and all these great and wonderful things about his character with us as individuals, Mm -hmm. he is the same way about us as a church and how we function and how we do that, again, I think as we mature and grow and and begin to ask more, I guess you could almost say adult-type Christian questions about the church, is you have to ask some of those questions, I think, about is this something that, that we've been allowed to do or been somewhat successful in just because God is loving and gracious and merciful, or is mm-hmm. this actually because we're fulfilling His calling right. and and doing what He has called us to do? Which makes up a good point, because I, I'll be curious if, if, if seasons are showing themselves to be that, you know, we are coming towards the the end of, of, of times and seasons and stuff like that, and, and Yeshua is planning on coming back soon— I guess just in general, I've been sensing this necessity that, um, you know, God was very clear, you know, there either you got to be hot or cold. He goes, if you're in the middle, I'm going to spit you out. So you either got to pick one or the other and go with it, because if you're just going to be lukewarm the entire time, I, I mean, he's obviously going to send you to the place that's not with him, you know. But I think I, I see that more and more with um, especially our generation, where it, because we've been through, we've seen so much destruction not only in in the church and government and and lives itself but in family dynamics that we tend to go to the extreme immediately because we're like if you're going to be hypocritical I don't want anything to do with you and yeah. and I think you see in our generation um the the level of drug addiction is so high because they sense even though it's fake the friends that they've collected there seem like they all get together and so they're, they're looking for something that they're looking for community they're looking for a community and something that's not hypocritical yeah in their opinion and so at the same time for those who are gung-ho for god i mean our generation just seems to go all the way if they truly are committed to him they go for it all the way because they they see the truth and they run for it because they've seen so much hypocrisy so when they see it especially in the church either they fight against it and and show them where they're wrong or they just run away from it because they look at it and they go well I want nothing to do with something that isn't true and by watching how, yeah by watching you act I'm just assuming that none of it's true you know going back to that whole thing I, I think I the, the problem is is that they're not taking it to God and I think that goes back to the whole purpose of this podcast is that with the church like you said um, deciding what we should do should we just do it because it makes sense to do it and we'll just do it and then kind of ask God later or even ask him at all the whole purpose of it is you all always take it back to him, which builds the relationship between you and the body. It builds the relationship between you and God. And you get to decide with God where your ministry is going. And the big question is, am I willing to give up this ministry to go in the direction that you want me to go? Or do I have a vision? Do I have an opinion of what this ministry should look like? Now, you might have a vision for it, and that might be of God, but inevitably that vision's always got to be taken back to him to totally understand it, because he might have to show it to you in those terms so you get it, so you understand the 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 grandeur of it or where it's going, but there there's no reference point that we have except for that. So we always, every time we make a new step, we always have to say, okay, you know, and it's not questioning him, it's just always going back to him and saying, you know, let's, this, this is where the ministry is, where do you see it going, and and that's that's what building the relationship's all about. And it's not a fear out of that too. You know, I've talked to other people that at times when I've I've told them, you know, I'm I'm really slowing down here. I'm taking the slow. I want to go back over this. I want to check. But that at times, sometimes the attitude is, well, you're you're just too worried to do stuff. You're you're afraid to make a step and do that. Right. And, and it's not out of fear. It's it's out of that relationship that okay, I I do want to check this. I do want to make sure I've heard right. Or if I have heard something that, that's going to require me to act in a different way or to do something differently than what I've done before, mm-hmm. then I, I want to be able to explain this to other people if I need to. And if not, I need to accept that myself and be able to move on right. with what that is and what that requires. And, and I think you see some of that, you know, what you were talking about as, as far as how that plays out in the life of Abraham, you know, with Isaac, kind of that give and take with, okay, you're you're going to have a, be the father of a great nation, and then Isaac comes along, and then, okay, you need to give them back, and just kind of this whole process that plays out through his life of have you valued the calling or the gifting or the promise more than you valued me. Right. And, right. and I think that, that there's always that testing that goes on with that is, you know, are, are you in ministry? And, and I'm sure you can attest even more than I can um, to, to those relational and leadership issues 
there there's a great there's a great risk and a great temptation for everybody as far as pride gets in and, and mm-hmm. everything else with what you're doing, you know, when people are coming up to you after services and, and telling you how good a job you did speaking or how good a job you did singing or, or how great they thought that it was, that's always an option to, to, or a danger to be able to work in there and to, to have to really be grounded that you're not listening to things and allowing yourself to be pushed in a direction or in an area that maybe isn't where you're calling or gifting or, or ministry area is supposed to be. Right. It's, it's kind of interesting if you truly want to give it to him and, and he pulls you out of a ministry. Like, and I've talked about this before. I mean, with, with the ministry that he had me doing at the congregation I was going to, I mean, it was very clear. I mean, very specifically. And it wasn't that he was mad at the leadership that, that I felt an anger towards them or that I sensed that God was angry towards them. I didn't sense any of that. I just felt like my time was completed there for what it needed to be done. And it wasn't out of bitterness or anything like that. But... It's interesting because when he took me out, there was a lot of things, and there's still a lot of things, that that he wants to deal with me on a personal level. And by being out front, you have this expectation that you have to to fit. And so if God's trying to work with you on a very, very personal level to try to get down to some bare basics that he's got to deal with, and you have to be in the public eye, you can't—it's very hard to do both of them. And uh, and obviously, you know, Yahweh can get you to that spot, but I find it— it's it's very important that if there's stuff that he's got to deal with you with that he's going to pull you out of the limelight and it's not because you're in trouble or you're sinning or he's mad at you it's just like you and I have got to work with this and you would do that with any kind of you know relationship just family you know if if there was some major problems with your marriage chances are you know you would say you know what I'm going to stop our 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 marriage ministry right now and we're going to deal with our issues so that when we come back we're you know, we can tell you what we went through and how God changed our lives. I think you can even argue that a lack of that over the last 50 years of ministry with, with prominent Christian leaders has led to problems the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, where those issues haven't been dealt with, where they've kind of been swept under oh, the rug. Yeah? And oh, yeah. It's almost the, the attitude that because I'm serving in ministry, it kind of it gives me a pass on these other things or these other right. issues in life. Maybe I'm trying to, to be dealt with or worked on that you see blow up later and have huge repercussions for uh not just the specific churches, but just for the name of Christ in general, or the the reproach and shame that comes because of that. Yeah, well, and and then and, and I find it interesting because I think he always is he does that especially to the leadership of the church. I mean, he's always going to go to the church first and and try to you know get it cleaned up because you know that's his body. So with all these leadership uh, you know scandals and things like that. I've I've just watched some people, and I go, you know, they I can see they have a heart for God, and God makes sure that some of their shame, if they don't listen, like if God, I I just have a feeling that Yahweh prompts them, just stop, don't worry about your ministry. I know you have these issues; these issues aren't really a big deal, but stop your ministry for now. Let's focus on these issues, figure out why they're there, and then we'll move on to your ministry. He tries to do it in a private way. But the minute yeah. you just are like, no, this is my ministry, because obviously it's your ministry. It becomes your pride and joy, the ministry. It becomes the foundation from which your relationship with not only God, but just the community you're with. You know, your career is based off of this ministry. It's, be, you know, it's become a career instead of just it something. An idol. It I mean, becomes an idol. Exactly. Yeah. That you've built more than maybe, than maybe even God has. Oh, no, absolutely. That, yeah. That you start, yeah. That, and trying to explain that to people can be a difficult thing to do at times that, Either your your willingness to let that go if you think it's coming to that point, or um, just trying to explain that that you believe that that's even a possibility. You know, right. there's so many things that I think that just get rubber stamped as far as the the church goes. That well, if the church wants to do it, it has to be good. Right. And and, and so many things that I think that that to me was one of the scariest is probably too strong a word. To me, that that was one of the most grieving parts about being in different different kinds of leadership and watching process is seeing men and women of faith get to a point of where they didn't even ask God anymore. You know, kind of that we know that this is what He wants, so we're going to do it. Right. And to just kind of sit back and watch that, and again, maybe what they were doing was okay or it wasn't yeah. bad, but just to me, that danger of getting to a point of where you're not even whether it's personal note or whether it's on a corporate note of the church or however, you're not even concerned with bothering to ask 
this this person that you're supposed to have a relationship with closer than anyone else, right. and you don't even ask anymore. You know, you're, you're not even trying to find out, is this what I should do? Is this the way I should do it? You know, all those questions. And I think that's one of the biggest problems um, in, in my experience with church is just the lack of asking questions. You know, right. too many times it's just too easy to kind of rubber stamp that, okay, well, Pastor A says we should do this, or or committee member C says we should do this, or all these things that everybody kind of looks at each other and, okay, well, that sounds good, let's do it. And, right. and there's not kind of that depth, and again, maturity. That That's something over the last few years that God has really been working on as far as just that, that kind of growing up, that maturity, the, the, you know, Paul talking in Corinthians that, you know, I don't act like a child anymore. You know, when right. I was a child, I used to do all those things, but, but now that I'm a man, I put away those childish things. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, sadly, in, in too many churches, it's just, it's almost childish, honestly, <laughs> in right. some of yeah. the ways that, that things are, are decided upon and moved on and, and alliances are formed and all these things that happen that you just kind of step back and look at and say, is this really what the intention was for how we were supposed to function as a body and how we're supposed to interact with each other? And is this what it is supposed to be or could be or should be? And, and to me, you know, the, the answer started to be is no, you know, that this is, there's again, because of the grace and mercy of God. And and, and I hope anybody doesn't take that the wrong way that I'm bashing churches or or any of this and that we shouldn't have that. You know, I I can understand the, the um the body and, and what it means and and the sacrifice that was made. And I, I love the church. I love the people we've served with. Um, all of those all of those things that we've been involved in and that that we've been able to see. But at the same time, it's just it, it really is this heart and this desire and passion. Is is this the bride that Christ is coming for? And if not, why? Why aren't we working towards that to the best of our ability? Well, there's a few things that come to mind, and and I totally agree with you. I mean, there's no bitterness towards the church. You know, I think Yeshua was the same way. I mean, when he would go to the Pharisees, I don't think he was—he wasn't angry at them. He was saddened by what had happened. I mean, you know, technically, I mean, he threw a tirade with, you know, the money changers there in the church and said, you know, don't don't be using my father's house as your, you know— is your gambling room? Still, yeah, out of love and concern yeah, about was, how did it get this far yeah. away from what it was in, and I don't even think it was intended. Again, intentions. I think there is some of that that is mature leaders. If we're not able to look at that and be able to say, "Wow, this isn't what it's supposed to be," and make changes to that, then we then we are not fulfilling our position as leaders. You know, we're not right. living up to the responsibility that we were given and and doing the things that that we're supposed to be doing, charged with doing as as leadership to make sure that we are being honest, are, you know, teaching the, the things that we've been taught, all those things that have been passed down. And, and it really is, um, it really is a, a potentially dangerous place to be in. And, and most of the time, you know, that people get frustrated and, and things come across. And it's, it's sad to me because most of my experience, and I'm sure you've had some too, is most of my experiences, that's the way people take it though. Is that you're right. angry at the church, that right. you're bitter, that you're you're upset, that you know if you can't have a perfect church, then you don't want any church at all, and, right. and all these things, and it's not. It's nothing it's not to do with that. that. Yeah, and yeah. That adds to the burden on top of it. Is yeah. no, it's it's not that. It's I mean, yes, I I would love a, a perfect church. I understand that that in this world is not a reality, but at the same time, does that mean that we just stop trying? You know, right? <laughs> that, yeah. that we just that we just go along with everything because, well, it's never going to happen. So since we know that, we'll just go along. We'll, we'll do what we think is best and really not worry about it. And, and that's the difference in the attitude and, and the, the longing, again, for it's not out of anger, it's not out of bitterness, it's, it's a desire. And, and I think some of that you get from Paul in some of his writings, too. You know, a desire to see the body brought into the fullness of Christ and, and what that means to see every member valued and and in their right place and working together and again i don't think it's intentional i don't think that people go out as far as leadership and say i want to be purposefully mediocre or, or <laughs> i want to do these things that are that are poor or bad or, or anything like that but i think when you start looking at the at the statistics and the the numbers with with not even just christians in the united states just people in general about their views of the church and about their views of of um just different things that happen and function and, and just, you know, the numbers of divorces are the same inside the church as they are outside. And, and all these things where you look at that the church either isn't any different from the world, or in some cases it's maybe even worse as far as how it interacts and reacts to things that, that you really got to start wondering, well, why is it that way? Right. 
Well, and just uh, going back to your your prior statement about, you know, just we rubber stamp everything and we just assume, you know, well, it, it, it looks good and we're going to do it. And since we're a part of the church, you know, I mean, the logic would be, you know, you know, okay, we're going to drive off a cliff and we're just going to ask God to bless it for us. You know, we're just going to assume that when we drive off this cliff, we're going to land. Now, it wasn't that Yahweh told you to drive off the cliff. It was just your opinion. You know, let's just drive it off, see what happens. It's a direct fall down. You know, it's thousands of feet, but we're just going to pray that Yahweh has us land on our on our tires and we'll just keep on driving. There's no, there was never asking him whether or not that should happen. And like I said, I mean, there's a lot of things that maybe you sense you're just supposed to do and God says, you know, you know, for the next three years, you're going to be, you know, every Sunday you're going to do this or every Saturday you're going to do this. Doesn't mean you can't take it to him every day and, you know, just to always remain open, but it's that building of a relationship. So he might give you some, you know, inkling that you're going to be doing it for a while, but uh, there's two ways of looking at it. I think you and I tend to be the more cautious people where we're just like, why not just take it to him? Why not just run it by him, let's pray, you know, three or four more times. We tend to be that way. Now, now God's not always that way, and sometimes he's like, tomorrow you're going to do this, and you're going to do it. And we don't have time to really pray about whether or not we can do it. It's just like, tomorrow you have to do it. Yeah, and and, and that's that takes another personality, but I think if we're always in tune with where Yahweh wants us to be, I think we inevitably start to gain that balance where we know when he says— we don't have tomorrow to deal with this. It's only going to happen today. So we can't, you know, inter, you know, pray about it for three or four days and then make a choice. It's got to happen today. And I think as you build that relationship in those times where he allows you to, you know, take longer to process through things, he'll give us things that allow us to—it's our training. You know, we get to take a long time to deal with this issue so that when we're actually in the heat of battle— we immediately know what he's talking about. We immediately have reference points, and we can say, ah, okay, I can step into this with confidence and run with it. And even if you make a mistake in that, it's the fact that you still went to him, that you're still asking him, that you're still involving him. And the issue is not that you make it perfect, but that you make it a relationship question. You're just, and you would do that in any marriage. Like, and I know we had talked about this with with you and your wife. It's the same difference where if you get to a point where you just assume she wants to do something, um, that doesn't necessarily make it the truth, you know? It's that the fact that you involve her. I mean, you might know she wants it, but at the same time, you know, you involve her and say, well, do we want to eat here for tonight? You know, stupid things like that. At least you're asking, and, and you're building a relationship. Is. Yeah. yeah that's what keeps it fresh. That's what keeps it up to up to date. And, you know, and... And again, that's to me what guards you from potentially making some of those mistakes. Is, right. It's just the asking, you know, as, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the, you know, Jesus with Peter, you know, if you love me, feed my sheep, you know, him asking him that repeatedly. Right. To do that. And, and there, there is something about that repetition of, and again, that there is, there's always that danger of fear and fear to react and exactly. fear to do what you've been. Right. Been asked to do, and and I think as people grow and mature, you start to recognize and exactly. realize it's the that, point of the okay, relationship. Yeah, exactly. Do this, but to get to the point of where you don't ask anymore because you assume, yes, just like any other relationship, I think you you would run the risk of danger. And, and I think when we have this picture, you know, of the church in Christ as the bride and groom, and you are able to see that in a marriage relationship, there there are things in a marriage that yes, after knowing my wife for for going on 10 years now, I can pretty well gauge where she's going to be at on the situation right. or, or what her opinion's going to be. Right. But when I start to fail to ask her that or to even consider what her thoughts might be, what her feelings might be, any of that, I've started to, to erode that relationship because it part of the relationship to me is being able to live that out in action and right. in the function of what do you think? Well, what is it that you're seeing? What is it that you're that your heart is about this. I think this is where you're at. Am I right in this? Mm-hmm. And again, I think even just a confirmation, yeah. again, for for what we're doing, that, okay, you know what? I did hear this. I heard it the first time. This is the fourth time I've asked. I've heard it then, too. Right. Okay, I can I can move forward with this. But I think there's just as much danger of of asking too many times as there is of not asking enough. Right. And, and if there's a danger on both ends of that, then okay, then we should be able to find a happy medium somewhere. Right. Of is it okay to take this back and to wait and and you know that I think that becomes again even some of those tougher questions as you grow mature is 
you know, maybe this is something that I haven't heard a no from God on, but have I heard a yes? Right. And and if I haven't heard a yes, if this is something that maybe at best God is ambivalent towards or he doesn't really care, right. is that the place that I want to put my energy and my heart and my passions into? And not that it's a bad thing. And I, I think too many times sometimes things get, get drawn as black and white, that you're either this way or you're that way, or that it always has to be this or that it always has to be that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem when you start asking questions like this. And, and when you were talking about uh, about earlier about, you know, being kind of, that we were the kind that kind of slow things down and kind of process and think and mm-hmm. stuff. I think when you look at that corporately as a body, that that's when you really start to, to be able to see and realize that all of those functioning together are what allows the body to function. Right. Because you you do need those people who are those those, you know, entrepreneurial, make a snap decision, we're going to do this right now, because right. they have the vision. They're able to see that and to step out in faith and do great things. But on the other hand, you need the people who are going to say, wait a minute, let's think this through. You know, right. are we, like your analogy, are we driving off a cliff, and should should more people be screaming in the back than, right. than are currently doing that? And, right. and if not, it's it's you can't have either one of those in a vacuum. It has to be those things functioning together that that makes the body what it is. And, right. you know, I was talking to you recently about reading a, a biography on, uh, on Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, and him going through kind of that idea and that process, too, that is it really the body of Christ if the whole body isn't functioning together? Right. You know, is, and just asking that question, if you don't have everybody in community, in relationship, and all of these things together working and, and acting like a body would, are you really part of the body of Christ, or can you really, I guess that's maybe not, not right, can you really have a knowledge of the body of Christ if you're not in that type of relationship and fellowship and community with other believers? Right. And, and just kind of that importance and that shift again, to me, from what my church experience has been, is, is again, most of the time it's about, um, you know, word, words that came up about sustainability, about... Um, all, all these kind of business-type terms that in and of themselves aren't bad, but when you start putting it all together, I think you, you again run the danger of looking at looking at people as a commodity or as something to be managed or as, you know, a, a, a hindrance that you need to kind of push off over here. And, well, if we tell them that their service to, to God is making coffee every Sunday morning, mm-hmm. then we don't have to worry about that anymore. And, and I think right. what that really touches on and ties in on is, Lack of discipleship, and I know for me personally, I've had very few people that have discipled me that, that I can really say I felt discipled by in my life. Right. And, and I think the church as a whole has a, and maybe I shouldn't say the church as a whole, and I know we've talked before too, maybe that needs to be clarified as the church here in America. Right. I think the church worldwide probably has a, a, a greater understanding and grasp of these things and what we do here in America right now, right. as far as how to function, how to do all these things with with situations and circumstances that I don't know that most uh, most of us as Christians would be comfortable with now, you know? Would we be able to function as a church without the building that we all went to, without the the praise team with the, the drum set and the guitars and, and all these things that we built in as integral parts of worship. Right. And again, that there's nothing wrong with, right. but that we built in as far as our Sunday morning that we have to have in order to, to function as a church. I just think that there's a danger in that in not seeing where God really is and what he's really doing in that. And, and maybe that call, like, like you were saying earlier, you know, the, I've, I've had that, too, that maybe there's kind of this gentle nudging right now to kind of start moving people away from that, and I think I think that can be testified to with the number of house churches that are that are springing up and mm-hmm. with the number of churches that have kind of broken off, and these, these newer churches that are finding popularity among um, the younger people and stuff like this because they do things in a different way. Right. But is it possible that God is kind of nudging, gently nudging or urging, you know, the church in a certain direction that somewhere down the road, you know, however far that may be in five or 10 years, isn't an option at that point that we either, we either learn by choice now or we learn the hard way when, yeah. when things change. And, and I don't and know if, the, and I don't know if learning the hard way is, is going to be possible. In my opinion, I guess if, if it comes down to that, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and, and she made the comment that, um, uh, uh, Billy Graham's son had made a comment that at some point in time he truly believes that anything of a Christian nature that you would say would technically be considered hate speech, because if mm-hmm. if you said anything if you said anything negative about anybody 
be it yeah it, it would be it would be considered a hate speech and you would lose your, lose your 501c3 status you know you wouldn't have be tax deductible anymore i mean it would it would just oh, be yeah, yeah i mean so anything and 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 honestly i i tend to think that that it, it, this is just my opinion but i tend to think that that god yahweh is, is kind of pushing that. I mean, we look at it as, oh, that's a negative thing. It's a negative thing. But if God's trying to mold the church into saying, you know, we, we can't do what we used to do, he's almost trying to force it. So we have these people who are causing so much ruckus that it's it's it seems like it's violating the 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 core of what our nation is starting to to go to that it it's so biting it's not like a loving you know trying to nudge them in a different direction i mean they just rip into america and say you are evil for all these other reasons i i think not that that's god's will that people do that because obviously he's very clear about this needs to be done in love if you're trying to trying to change somebody you got to do it with love it's the kindness of yahweh that draws us to repentance not the not the anger and judgment and and so i think what's interesting is but he still uses things to move it forward to say well we're going to get into this whether you like it or not but i have a feeling that if if things really start getting a mess you know whatever that looks like that the body is going to look at the church and almost think that Yahweh's abandoned it. I mean, just that like God has left and because the things that they're used to is just, are just falling apart. And unless it's not that you have to leave the church, it's not that we're asking that, but it's like, you got to take it and say, well, what am I supposed to do now? What does my relationship look like with you? How do I fit into that? What is my purpose? So that only to build a relationship. So if things start falling apart, you now know where you stand with God. I mean, he's told you this is going to get difficult. This is going to get hard. This is where you need to go. So that if things start falling apart around you, you're still on a solid base with him. If you even suggest that to most Christians, though, if you even suggested the possibility that that God wasn't there on a Sunday morning. You know, I remember somebody talking about, I think it was Graham Cook had talked about that, that, you know, he'd been to churches that God hadn't been to in, in a long yeah, time that, yeah. that he was before. He didn't go to anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I think that there's sometimes there's a truth to that that's that hits a nerve of uneasiness with people right. that is it possible that all these things that we do on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning or, you know, all, all the light production and, and all the sound and all these things that at one time, yes, maybe... Maybe it was good and it was what we we're supposed to do, but is it even possible that we're going through all these motions with all of this stuff and that, that we're not even doing it for the person we thought we were doing it for in the first place? And that it, above that, that he's not even there anymore. And to, to look at that, you know, there seems to be, and, and I know you get the Old Testament versus New Testament and, and, you know, it's a new covenant and all these things, but you look at the history of Israel time after time, you see not only where God left Israel, but where he says, I've sold you into slavery. Yeah, I've the one that yeah, yeah. It, he does that. And just to, just to, to draw them back. Be, yeah, exactly. Yeah. To yeah. be that naive that God would not be that way anymore, that, that he may not function that way still, you know, it talks about how, how he's a, a very jealous God. And, and to think that, that he wouldn't do that or wouldn't still have that same jealousy today for his bride, for the church, as as he's had throughout eternity, is to me not being honest with the character and the nature of who God is. And and I think as you talk about the, the political and social and all these things happening in the country right now, that that was the one thing about the Bonhoeffer biography that stood out to me. Just to clarify before that, Bonhoeffer was a, a pastor um, during uh, World War II, and he was in a rebellion uh, to try to uh, eliminate Hitler Germany. at some point in time in Germany. Uh, yeah. He was involved in the, I believe it was the Stoppenberg plot. Um, right. There's a, we actually watched a movie the other day. Uh, Tom Cruise was in it, uh, Operation Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Um, he was involved in several different plots to, to actively try to assassinate Hitler. Right. Um, and it, it was, I've read, I'd read a couple excerpts of his. I didn't know very much about Bonhoeffer himself. Um, but, the, but the biography kind of went through his family history. Um, he'd had theologians and doctors and uh, just a really almost a brilliant person. And his whole family was, he had a brother that worked with, um, that worked with Albert Einstein. Um, you know, just, just all kinds of things. His dad was the, uh, the head of, um, psychiatry in Germany at the university of Berlin, all these things just in his family. But, but to see the, the political and social and, and all the things in Germany that led up to Hitler's rise and a big part of that being the church. And that was was what came out of 
that is what led Bonhoeffer to a lot of his beliefs and his desire to be a theologian, is seeing how the Church had failed in ministering to these people who were so disillusioned from World War One. You know, they had wrapped so much of who they were and their pride into their national pride for Germany right. that when they lost and they had, you know, all of these, um, all these payments that had to be made back and retribution and all oh, this, that yeah. it just crushed, I crushed mean, just them. crushed the entire nation. And just all of that that led up to it. And, and then the church's part, you know, I've, I've read a little bit of history on World War II and stuff on Hitler and all this, but I, I had never seen that aspect of the church's actions or lack of actions, how it contributed to, to what would eventually lead to Hitler coming to power and to, to his um, being able to do what he did. And some of it, even with the blessing of the local churches at the time, um, just because of, of, where they were and, and the place that they had been at and the pains and, and everything else they'd had, that they weren't able to see almost until it was too late with many of them, who he actually was and what he was doing. And some of them that, that even at that point didn't care because Hitler was a popular guy in Germany and people were coming back to church. Right. <laughs> that, that was one of the shocking things to me is how many people and, and pastors that said were okay on a whole with, with the National Socialist Party and all these things that Hitler was was talking about and, and wanting to do because it was so popular and it was getting people back in the pews. And, and just to look at that, and, and Bonhoeffer had a very clear vision and understanding and and belief of what that was from an early going, almost um, almost by himself. I mean, it, it grew into a movement and, and into a resistance, not just with the, the religious circles, but also obviously within the government, military, and, and other aspects. But just how he was able to see that from the beginning, but then to have to live through that too, you know, 10 years of, of being in, in Nazi-occupied Germany and all those things. And, and it was just really eye-opening to me to see what he struggled with and what he went through and the, the reality of somebody so recent, um, you know, within the last 70, 80 years, um, dealing with all of these things and all these, these problems, these big problems, and it led him to start asking what, you know, again, what is the church? What is the body? What does it look like? How does it function? And, and you know, he, he'd had a couple of different places um, where he'd actually experimented and, and tried some of these new ideas that he had about Christian community, almost almost in a commune-type setting, um, where their, their seminary and the way they were treat, their, um, training pastors and, and leadership for the churches was to go away for a year or two and just spend time together um, and, and it, it was a somewhat radical thing at the time, but if you look at it, it's it's almost the exact same thing that Jesus was doing with the disciples. You know, it's that, okay, you're going to come live with me. We're going to talk together. We're going to learn together. We can ask questions. We can do all these things, all these interactions that are very difficult at times to do now, or we've, we're so far removed from that kind of system and that kind of process that we have to relearn how to do it. You know, we have to relearn about how to be in community with each other and how to, how to be able to ask each other questions and, and to be able to function. And it's just, it's really interesting, again, just the, dy- the dynamic and the place that we've come to as a church. Interestingly enough, I'm not sure if you, if, if you got a chance to listen to it, but my, my last podcast that I just did it was talking about the, the book, uh, The Coming Insurrection, but uh, specifically I was kind of talking about the, the concept of communes and how, you know, the whole... David Koresh and everything like that has has put such a light on and I don't and I think the enemy has done that specifically to make sure that we look at that those communities as as obviously so evil yeah and such a negative light and there is a point that obviously they were just listening to whatever David had to say and what he said went and actually we'll go on to that topic here in a second but you know, how we listen to this leader and we're like, oh, we're just going to listen to him and whatever he does. I, I, I never sensed that the people, and, and now in the church today, I think we look at it and we're like, oh, it's not a commune because we're not forcing people to do it. But we also listen to one person tell us what to do, and we just do it without taking yeah. it to Yahweh. It's not that you can't learn from them. That's the whole point. If we have pastors and 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 people who are in leadership who are trying to guide us but that's the whole point and a good friend of mine once said that it's it's less that we're that you can consider um you know pastors to be shepherds even though it says it in the scripture but almost technically more like sheepdogs pointing us to the shepherd pointing us to yeshua taking the people and helping us and guiding us to that and that be the purpose is not to to you know 
become, you know, this head person over these people and say, you know, I'm in charge of you now, but to direct them to Yahweh, be under their leadership, be under their uh, teaching for that time being. But, you know, at some point in time, that might come to an end. I mean, you know, Paul, Shaul, was Galatians at the very beginning said, there's no, there's no person who's above me. And not necessarily as saying like, you know, I'm almighty, but, you know, my head spiritually is you know, Yeshua, Jesus, you know, God, that is my head. And, and I've got to go after him. If I'm going to be under someone's teaching, he was for a while under, um, he was under one of the most famous, you know, Hebrew teachers of the time, um, while he was younger. So, I mean, he was under that for learning, but spiritually he always had to take it back to God. And I think, you know, Bonhoeffer is a great example. What was going on with that commune thing is Bonhoeffer is a great example of that because, you know, World War II, if, I mean, there's a whole bunch of it that's, that's prophetic, you know, but also it, it, it gives us a huge visual about, you know, if, if that truly wasn't uh, Armageddon, if you want to get to that point, if that truly wasn't like the final final, obviously it wasn't, then the big question is, is what does that look like if it's going to be worse than that? And and Bonhoeffer's a good example of how he separated himself from the situation and said, you know, we've got to, it, it's going to become underground. You know, the church is, has to become underground if it's going to be true, you know. And he's a great example of a person who got that group together and said, you know, we've got to build something um, you know, that, that, that well, and, truly is based off of, you know, God and, you know, Yahweh alone. And how he did that on one hand with, with drawing away and with going to a remote place and doing all these things, but, you know, ended up later on still being involved in, in, a, in, a, in an assassination plot to kill him. Yeah, I know, yeah. And, just, and, and that, was, that was the striking thing to me is that idea and, and the idea that he had that, you know, you— to be the body of Christ again, you have to be relevant in the time and the place and yep. the the circumstances and situations you're called to. You know, it's not just the it's not just the commune idea of okay, well we no. just all run away yeah. so we don't have to deal with that's it. Just and, and that's just part of your training. It's just part of training. Yeah, yeah, it's just part of the training. Yeah. As as a part of training, you know, yeah. definitely. And and it's it's funny how uncomfortable those conversations get when you talk about that with other people. And even I myself, you know, as I start talking about it with with other other people, but if you look at the first century church, that, that's exactly what, that it was. Is what they were. You <laughs> yeah. know, when they were selling their things and oh, coming yeah. and giving the money to the, yeah. the apostles, and they had everything in common and all these things. Yeah. You know, it, it's not like it's completely and totally like Way, wacky. Yeah, far exactly. Out there. Yeah, it, it, it was a very real thing at one point, yeah. and it wasn't. It, it wasn't something weird. It wasn't something out of place. It wasn't something, you know, that again that that meaning has gotten turned into that. You know, somebody says commune nowadays, and, and you almost automatically think of right wing militia that you yeah. know they're 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 storing guns, they're 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 planning to overthrow the government, they're right. all these things. The negative connotation that goes along with that yeah. that that no, may, maybe there's something else to that that there can be something beneficial and useful and and a redeeming aspect to what that term is. And and I think that's you know there's so many things in the world that 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 is the purpose of the church is to re to reclaim or to redeem things that were always meant to be holy and pure right. and and set apart for God, that no, mm-hmm. we need to take that meaning back and and redefine it or to to define it again in the way that it was always meant to be that it was always meant to be done. Well, and the problem is if we lose balance. I mean, the minute we take we we say, oh well, we're going to form this this group, and you know, and we feel that Yah always told us to, to make this group, and we make it. And then it goes really well, and then we just like, oh well, this is going really well, and we just start running with it. And and yeah, I was like, whoa, well, this this whole little, you know, if we want to call it a commune, this whole little group that we had here that was, you know, spending a month, you know, just kind of as a unit to kind of understand was just to build each other up, was just was to, at that point. Yeah. yeah, just to edify. <laughs> and it's it's going to end, you know, in a month, you know, and then you guys have to go off and do what you think. I mean, we have those things all the time. We just don't call it communes. But, you know, I'm sure that the the world, the secular world, looks at the Christian church and goes, gosh, what's all these stupid men retreats that they're doing? You know, I mean, that's kind of the same concept. I mean, you're, you're going in a small group and you're trying to edify each other, to build each other up, to go out and do what we have to do. And so it's the same thing. I, I do need to, to go on a little bit because this, this thought keeps on coming to mind. Um, uh, let's see. You had made a comment, and, and there, was a, there was a program that was going on with one of the congregations you were working on where they were kind of uh, 
guess kind of doing a, a movie night thing or something along those lines. And they had um, they had done it one year, and like you said, it was it was really successful. And then the next year, it was really unsuccessful. Uh, yeah, this event kind of a um, for a uh, for Father's Day, and so they, they had they had gone in. Um, put this event on, you know, it, it'll work really well the first year. Um, second year, it'll, it'll work the first year, so kind of the decision was let's do it again. Um, second year, it didn't turn out so well um, as far as what we considered, I guess, and, and you could have a big, long debate on what <laughs> what God actually considers turning out well and everything there, too. But So the third year, the decision was, well, since it didn't work last year, we're not going to do it this year. And again, just to me, that, that kind of process of, the visual being able to take things yeah. out mm-hmm. from what what I was able to view and see, there was never that working out um, by a, a group of people necessarily. Maybe just one person who thought this worked, this didn't work, or two people that we're just not going to do that again. And again, that kind of idea of it seemed like it was more influenced and based on quote unquote success than is this what we were called to do. And if it was, then we don't look at things, we don't judge things in the way that the world would judge it. You know, it's not, it's not about losing money, it's not about making money, it's not about any of this. If this is what we've been called to do, then are we being obedient to do that? And if it's not, if we just did it the first year, and, and again, I think there's so many things that just out of, out of yeah. God's mercy and kindness and love. He allows he, it, yeah. Is that okay? You know, kind of like, kind of like with your kids, where yeah. you, okay, I really don't, I really wish you wouldn't do that, but I, I'm, yeah, go I'm not going to... Yeah not going to beat you all the time for everything that goes on. You know, there's some things you've got to learn on your own that, you know, I think there's that, that attitude with God too, that, you know, everything's not going to be a punishment. Everything's not going to be a slap on the wrist. I'm not going to stop you every time while we're doing this, but man, one of these days it'd be nice if you guys learn how to ride this bike and (laughs) and we can move on and take the training wheels off and, and, and start doing a little more. And, and, and that was, from that specific experience, and then again, just generalities in other churches and and other things I've seen, that kind of seems to almost be the status quo with right. with how things are run and how things are done. It's it's that very worldly attitude of success. You right. know what what is a success? You know when you go to to these church conferences, you don't you don't have the people up there speaking that are are um, you know have washed out at five churches you've got the people up there who who have the large congregations who have the big buildings who have the multi-sites and and all of this and and is there that aspect of success that has worked its way into the church that again was never really intended to be there right. or intended to have the prominence that it does right. versus are you doing what i've asked you to do and, and right. you know that that uh that interaction with samuel and saul in the old testament about you know obedience being better than sacrifice i right. think I think too many times the attitude is, is is we take these things to God and say, well, look, we sacrificed this. You know, right. I, I lost time with my family because of this, and we had people leave the church because of this, and, and all these things. And I think there's those times where God looks at them and says, yeah, that's, that's nice, that's great, but I never asked you to do that. Right, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you didn't, didn't have to ask me. Yeah, yeah. That or do that. yeah. yeah. I, I wish you would have been obedient or that you would have checked first. You know, the, there's also that, that story in the Old Testament with... Um, and I think it's in Judges with, well, no, it's probably not in Judges, it's in Joshua, with Joshua and the, the Gibeonites. I think you and I talked about that at one time. Right. Um, you know, where, where they're going through the conquest of the of the Promised Land, you know, God had told them specifically, don't make any treaties with people, don't don't settle with anybody, and, and the Gibeonites come to Joshua with, uh, you know, moldy bread, and they've, they've let their face grow out, and they look dirty and all these things, and so the... Joshua ends up making a, a peace treaty with him, mm-hmm. and the, it says, and I don't, again, remember the specific passage, but it says... I think that, it was Joshua um, 9, if I'm not mistaken. Joshua 9? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it says right there, you know, nobody inquired of the Lord for what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one of the scariest things to me that you could get get to as far as your relationship is, is that, again, you don't ask about, is this something I should be doing, whether you think you know the answer or not is there a, a chance that maybe I should do this or that I shouldn't do it? And I think we could save ourselves so many headaches and, and, and troubles, and, and not even just for us, but again, the I don't know that we fully value at times the, the impact our actions have on the name of Christ and what that means. Um, and, and again, it's not a paralyzing fear with that or a fear to act, but just a, a, a legitimate understanding and knowledge of how what we do 
doesn't affect just us. That's the name of the prize bearers of the world. Well, it all goes what it, we do and how we do it. It always goes back to that relationship. I mean, it, my opinion has always been that you know the ministry that we have should just be born out of the fact that we have a relationship with him. You know, if that ministry takes form in you know, music or pastoring or, you know, small group leading or whatever, what form it takes, you know, it's just, is kind of, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if the relationship is being built, then your ministry is just, it's, it's going to be that people look at you and go, what is different about you? And they just, they, they want to be around you because they sense something different. And so that is inevitably the spirit just being. So it doesn't mean that you're not supposed to do anything. You're supposed to sit and do nothing. But the point is, is that you take it to Yahweh and say, well, what do I do? You know, I mean, is there something specific you want me to do? How do you want me to handle it? You know, and, and just allow your ministry to be the the fruit of the relationship that you have with him. Yeah. We're going to stop here for now with my interview with Nathan and continue next week with some more about this very interesting topic. Again, if you have any questions, comments, um, please email me. My email address is sjacksonpro at me.com. That's sjacksonpro at me.com. And like always, take it to God, and we will see you next week. Music